host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're speaking with Craig Fisher from Treasury's Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation. And we'll be talking about the blockchain and robotics and other exciting innovations happening at Treasury Fit. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. So today we have Craig from Treasury. We're going to talk about blockchain and robotics. So Craig, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, this is exciting. So, you know, I think people are hearing all about blockchain and robotics and want to understand a little better what that really means uh, for government accounting. So, uh, but before we do that, why don't you give us a little background about yourself? And sure. What you do? Sure. My name is Craig Fisher. I work with the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation within the Bureau of the Fiscal Service. And really what my job does, what we do, is we try to uh, identify some of the emerging trends and technologies that's mm-hmm. going to have an impact on federal financial management. So we're looking for those things like blockchain and artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. robotics and machine learning and trying to understand if there are going to be applications to improve the way that we manage the government's finances. Right. So that's kind of what we do. We identify these things, we test them out, and then and then hopefully if, if they're successful, move them into a production where we uh, back away and then have somebody else take that over and run with it. But that's kind of right. what we uh, we try to do within our team. Right, so sort of the innovative new things out there, test them out, see if they're viable. That's exactly right, all yeah. through the lens of improving the way that we manage our finances. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Well then, let's, uh, let's jump into this blockchain. So, sure. uh, you know, kind of let's start off with what is blockchain? I mean, yeah, sure, it's yeah. the 101. <clears throat> the 101, sure. So, I mean, blockchain um, was actually sort of identified, it's kind of created, I guess, in 2008 with this when this unknown person by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto wrote a white paper. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a white paper to solve a very uh, sort of finite problem. How do I send an electronic payment from one person to another without having to go through a trusted third party? Mm. And the inherent problem that Satoshi Nakamoto faced, and again, we don't know who this is, uh, but the, the, the problem that he faced was that the, is the double spend problem. And what the double spend problem is, is that anything that is digital uh, can be infinitely copied. So although this is a good feature if you're sending emails and pictures right. to grandma back home, because <laughs> you can copy these things, if you're trying to send something of value across the internet, yeah. it doesn't work. Right. Uh, you need third parties to, to take something away from you and give it to that other person. Uh, so this is the problem that he that he solved with blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- so and I guess the best way that I would put it is that the features that solve that double spend problem mm-hmm. have some potential benefits for federal financial management. So uh, from a peer to peer networking standpoint, it's very efficient. It's transparent. It's security through the cryptography that mm-hmm. it uses. Uh, th- there's a lot of automation that you can build into blockchain technology. So really, it's sort of a new way to share and transfer something of value over the internet. Right, right, okay. Well, yeah, so let's get into that. So I think you, I understand you guys did a sort of a proof of concept testing this thing out. What'd you guys find out? We did, yeah. So September of last year, we did a small little proof of concept where we said there's so much hype around blockchain technology mm-hmm. that we just want to try to understand it ourselves. Right. So what we did is, uh, well, actually, if I back up just a little bit, when yeah. I first started with the Department of Treasury, one of the jobs that I got was, uh, I was I was called the property custodian. Okay. And what the property custodian does is that anytime somebody in my team gets a new computer or a new cell phone, I have to go and I have to validate that transaction. So in that right. case, I'm sort of the third party to come in there and say, oh, yes, you received this phone. The information is accurately recorded into the system. Right. So that was sort of my job. Mm-hmm. Um, after a couple of years of sort of doing that, I said, there has to be a better way of doing this. And this mm-hmm. thing called blockchain kept on coming up. Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, after I convinced a lot of people that this could be potentially be a good place to start and just to try to get an understanding of the technology, we did a really small proof of concept where we uh, uh, managed and tracked cell phones using blockchain technology. Hmm. So that was sort of the, the idea behind it. It was about a five-month project, and at the back end of it, it became uh, really successful, and it showed some potential benefits to uh, improve efficiency, improve transparency in these asset exchanges. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did real-time reconciliation, all the things that you want within, within an inventory. So when you say track, I mean, what, what does this thing look like? What am I yeah. looking at? Right. So basically what we did is you have to program a blockchain first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then we use something called Ethereum to do that. Okay. Uh, so you can download this and then you start to, to program it and you, you build rules within the blockchain just to say, here are the, here are the rules in which we are going to you know, govern this, the, these, these assets. Then you have to build your front-end application. So we built two things. One was an app, a mobile app that would go on okay. every phone yeah. that you wanted to track. Uh, and really what this mobile app did was a couple things. I and mean, did a lot of things, yeah. what we build, but two things that really sort of featured blockchain technology. One is that it allowed us to do peer-to-peer asset transfers. So I no mm-hmm. longer had to have somebody to validate this. You could actually build that into the technology. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I was through this app and I had a cell phone that I wanted to give you, yeah. I would find your name in some sort of a registry. I would push on that and say transfer, and I would give it to Paul, mm-hmm. and Paul would put in his private credentials, his private PIN, okay. and it would tra- seamlessly transfer to you, and the ledger would be updated, and there's no need now for somebody to come in and validate that transaction. Oh, I see what you're saying. The other thing that we did is that just through simply using your device, turning it on, it would actually send a signal to the blockchain and that Mm. it would say, Paul is using his cell phone. So we don't have to track him down to to, to do these these annual reconciliation processes. Mm -hmm. As you know, these are very cumbersome, (laughs) labor-intensive processes, where even within the fiscal service, we travel to like nine different locations Mm -hmm. scanning this equipment. Right. This does it automatically. Does it have any kind of, uh, you know, metadata or anything that it can track like well I geos, think that, but, you know, ge- geographic information or anything yeah I mean in feasibly in yeah. theory you could do that yeah. we didn't do that all we we're tracking is just the use just so just when you're use. using it it just says the, to the blockchain hey I'm using the cell phone right. it doesn't tell you like what you're saying or anything like that it is mm-hmm. saying like Paul turned his 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 cell phone on right because he has to use a very a uh, 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 password protected pin to do that mm-hmm. we're reasonably comfortable that that Paul has his device therefore okay. we don't have to go track it it's not lost it's not stolen Paul has it hmm wow that's really interesting so yeah and that's anytime you transfer it to anybody else it's you're tracking it you have the like the pin or whatever it is the you have real-time yours. reconciliation mm-hmm. real-time asset transfers and all this is documented within the blockchain that gives you real-time mm-hmm. Um, awareness where these all are. So that was the that's the one front end application that okay. we built. The other one is just the 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 the, the web application that allows mm-hmm. you to see the entire state of the inventory at any given time. There you go. Right. So blockchain has also been called sort of a state machine, meaning that mm-hmm. I can sort of rewind that back to any point in time to see what the oh. state of the inventory was. Right. So oh. this is being in our in our case the the ledger is being updated on an, on an every five second basis. Huh. Okay. So every five seconds this ledger is being updated to the state reflecting the true state of the inventory mm-hmm. at that time. Um, And one of the very cool features that we also built into this is that, let's just say, Paul, you don't turn on your phone for, say, a week. We could actually program the ledger to say, Mm -hmm. hey, Paul hasn't turned on his phone for a week. Maybe it's lost. Maybe it's stolen. Let's send Paul an email 
just 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 uh, automate that email that we send to Paul and say, hey, do mm-hmm. you still have this asset? Right. And if we still don't hear from you, then we can track you down and figure out what's going on. <laughs> Call the cops. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So it takes a lot of that work out, and, and we make it almost a little bit more reactive in finding huh. these people, and we sort of zero in on the on the trouble spots as opposed to doing this broad scale. Um, these inventory efforts. But again, this is just a proof of concept. Right. This is not something that we actually put onto our servers. Um, But what we learned is that it uh, it worked. It's something Mm -hmm. that is, it it, uh, seemed to streamline these processes and and it gave us a much better feel for blockchain technology. So did you encounter any major challenges when you were setting this up or was it pretty simple, pretty easy? I mean, what do you think? You know, I think one of the lessons learned that we had out of this is that blockchain technology really isn't all that scary. I okay. mean, I think I think the scary part about blockchain is trying to figure out when does it make sense to use a distributed application because mm-hmm. I think we're used to centralizing things. Right. And right. in this way, you're 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 sort of decentralizing that. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're trying to figure out, and I say we sort of collectively, we yeah. I mean even even outside of the government, is when does it make sense to use these decentralized applications to solve problems? Mm-hmm. Um, is asset management within the fiscal service the best use case to this? I don't know at this point, but I right. think what we did do through this is to dip our toe in a little bit, just to understand the technology, mm-hmm. just to get a little bit more familiarity with this. But I think there's a lot to learn when it comes to comes to that. But there is, to, to your point, uh, a lot of change management that would come oh. around something with this. Right, maybe different mindset because you know the way things, way folks think about how should we track something, or they're used to the centralized That's way right. of doing things. That's right, and this yeah. sort of just like elegantly builds into just the way that you carry out your day. Mm-hmm. And that is and that is just a really new way to think about this. I mean I think we're used to going around yeah. and scanning devices and things so if this is something that we would, you know, pursue down the road and I have no, you know, idea if this is something we would, but even though even even so, any sort of decentralized application is going to come with some sort of change management, not only right. with the business processes, but also with the technology itself. Right. Well, the point, I mean, would be you want to improve the way you do things, make them easier, make them more effective, efficient, right? So that's I mean, exactly right. It seems like it's going down that path. It is going so, down that path. We're learning a lot. And right. We're learning a lot doing it. So, so that was the extent of the initial uh, proof of concept. Right. So then, how about what's what's next? What yeah, good question. So we uh, we we had some really good um, some results out of this. Again, we 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 were able to, to improve efficiency, improve kind of the program effectiveness. We improved accuracy rates of, of being mm-hmm. able to identify. Uh, some of these things, and also in, improved internal controls. So that's one of the things right. that sometimes you also have, sometimes you, you get where you increase efficiency, your con- controls go down and vice versa. You increase your exactly. controls, your efficiency goes down. Right. This is one of those times where you we, we improved efficiency and internal controls at the hmm. same time. Wow. Yeah. And we said, this is a really unique thing. Let's sort of push forward as to see what, what we can do next. So about a month ago, we launched a, a new uh, pilot and proof of concept where we're taking that application that we built mm-hmm. and we're moving it into a piloting phase. And okay. what that's going to give us is just a much better understanding of whether or not this type of technology is going to be working, can work with any federal environment. Okay. So that in and of itself is the project, is mm-hmm. moving it from a, a proof of concept into pilot. And basically what we're saying with that is, is, is we're going to try to touch some of the our systems. Right. But that means that there's a lot more rigorous scrutiny over oh, yeah. this technology. Mm-hmm. So this is going to give us a much better understanding. How to get through uh, that, yeah. or can we get through that? Yeah. Exactly. So the other sort of swim lane of this is another proof of concept where we 
taking the concept of asset management just a little bit further, mm -hmm. where we said if we can use this technology to manage and track a physical asset, can we use this technology to manage and track a digital asset? Hmm. So what we're doing is we're looking to see if we can manage and track software licenses oh, using yeah. this technology. Um, but not only within the, the Bureau of Fiscal Service, but this would be something where we're looking to see if we could manage this across several agencies. Oh, wow. So okay. we're trying to, again, a proof of concept, trying to mimic uh, several different cloud environments where this would work in, just mm -hmm. to see how this would work uh, across agencies, not just within an agency. Right. Oh, wow. That's pretty exciting. So how long, I mean, what's your timeline on this? Yeah, for the pilot. Yeah, so I think we're looking at probably about eight months to mm -hmm. to do both of these things. Um, right now, we're documenting a lot of how does I don't really know a lot about software license at this point. Mm -hmm. So we're learning a lot about just how we currently sort of manage and track software licenses and trying to get an understanding just the of, of how we do this, some of the problems they they encounter and some of just what are we trying to achieve with this? I mm -hmm. mean, what are really the the problems that we're trying to solve? And then of course with the the pilot phase of things, going this through our governance process, it just takes a lot of time. I mean, there's sure. a lot of, we have to sort of look up uh, a lot of uh, the architectural diagrams, understand mm -hmm. how this would work within our system. And that requires a lot of teamwork from a lot of people within the fiscal service. So that's gonna probably take us a bit of time to, right. to understand. But I think, you know, at the beginning of next year, we should have some findings on what we what we learned from, from all of this. Okay, well, that sounds really interesting. So, and have you guys, you know, maybe brainstormed other potential applications? So this is kind of accountability and tracking yeah. of assets. Yeah, I mean, but... I think, I think you know, for within Treasure, I think we're we're sticking with just the asset management, yeah, just as, the, as a use case, just right. to get our feet wet. And I think if you look across government, there's other folks like GSA looking at it for contract management. DHS mm. is doing a lot of work in this space. Um, I mean, the U.S. Postal Service is doing some things. State Department is mm -hmm. working with uh, Coca-Cola to do some stuff as well. Okay. There, so there's a lot of things collectively that we're doing as a government. Uh, from a financial management perspective, you know, I think I don't really have anything that I could say this is definitely going to be ripe for decentralizing the right. application and all that. But I would just say, you know, as, as people are sort of looking at this, if there are things where we're having sort of inefficiencies with transactions, where you're actually giving something from one agency to another, mm -hmm. or that, those are sort of the, the places that are sort of ripe for this sort of technology. And looking to see where there might be what we'll call friction or inefficiencies within that process, mm -hmm. just to see if this is something that could potentially benefit it. Right. But um, you know, people often say things like you know, intergovernmental transactions is something that could potentially be an application for this. Yeah, that makes sense. To this point, I don't know if that makes sense. I think we have a lot more to learn before we get to that point. But that's one of the things that people come to me with yeah. is to say. An interesting area might be that. Well, it's also the concept, you know. In theory, it sounds like something that would work, and then you try to apply it, and it gets a little tricky. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do we actually program this thing? That's or exactly what are we doing? right. So I think our approach is to go slow and steady, right. and start off with some of the easy things. And one of the reasons why we started even with physical assets was mm -hmm. because if something happened to the ledger, those cell phones don't go away. You know, right. you, you still have the That's physical, true. you know, asset. You can hold it in your hand. Right. So we're sort of slowly going up this 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 sort of like scale of things and to, to try to get a much better understanding of, of what this technology is, mm -hmm. how is it going to work, and then getting to those more I, I would say sort of difficult use cases probably as we as we learn. Right. So and actually going back a little bit as far as the contracts and that kind of thing, I've heard that this might be something a good technology for contracts and to, in what aspect or what have you you know. 
Well, I think the idea around that is that you have so many different players that have have a um, that have a sort of a stake in developing contracts. You have mm-hmm. the vendor, you have the government agency, you have the procurement shops, you have the finance shop, all that sort of stuff. So if you put them on sort of the same ledger, you can sort of see in real time what's going on with all those players. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's very similar to like what you would see kind of in the supply chain area too, where there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of of companies out there. Walmart being an example. Where they're looking at streamlining, streamlining their their supply chain, um, so that they can see in real time where 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 things where are. Things but are, not yeah. only that, yeah. it's also for a food safety thing too. So mm-hmm. if if the avocados are bad, um, and and yeah. people start to get sick, they can track that back to that point of origin and take all of those things off the shelf almost immediately. Right. Today they don't have that. My understanding, anyways, they don't have yeah. that capability. But they're looking to blockchain to sort of improve that. So there's sort of this real-time awareness transparency that you get with blockchain technology that offers a lot of other benefits. Right. I'm even thinking like manufacturing or value as things move up, you know, as something, a product is created and it's, you know, value is added to it, you know, you kind of track every stage in its development or construction. I mean, who, yeah. you know, it's all kinds of things start popping in your head, you know? Right. There's one company out there that does this for diamonds. So they, they oh, track huh. diamonds from the mine to the actual end point. Oh, and, yeah. and, they, and, they, and the way that they do this is they sort of measure like so many different attributes of that diamond. Mm-hmm. So as it passes hands, you can see that there's no fraud involved, that exactly. people weren't taking a little bit of the diamond and, you know, right. shavings and all sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, so again, it just yeah. offers a lot of transparency to to this, and I think that's the thing with blockchain is that it offers a lot of features. It's like transparency, security, efficiency, automation, and depending on sort of like what your perspective is, you might pull on those levers more than others. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I also want to talk to you today about uh, a little bit about robotics. Sure. So-called uh, robotics process automation, mm-hmm. right? RPA. That's right. Uh, so this is a becoming a hot topic. Um, actually, before you start, so I actually spoke with somebody from the state of Arizona oh. who says they're using it. They're doing a pilot. Nice. Um, I talked to folks in some of the you know agencies and DoD, and they're experimenting with this as well. So I think HHS, like all, all kinds of folks are experimenting. So yeah. what, what are you guys doing there? Well, we also experiment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that's the best way to. I mean, I think. RPA is one of those technologies I think you've seen, you were saying over the last few years, being much more adopted in the private sector. Mm-hmm. But the federal government wasn't doing a lot in that space. And right. I think that sort of changed over the last probably year, couple of years, mm-hmm. where uh, ourselves included have gotten a lot more interested and excited about this process of automating a lot of these routine manual tasks. And if you, right. within the, the area of financial management, you know, the the, the folks that sit down and, and, and actually have to ingest data and put it from one system to another. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is just the same rules-based stuff that right. happens every day. It has to get done. It's an mm-hmm. important part of the job. But along came robotic process automation and offered this opportunity to where we could do this in a much more streamlined and fast way. Um, so we, uh, along, alongside of our blockchain proof of concept, we did the same thing. We did a, a, a pilot where we identified seven processes oh, that okay. we could identify, uh, that we identified to actually um, see if, if RPA would be beneficial. Right. So FIT, our team actually teamed up with the Administrative Resources Center within the Bureau of the Fiscal Service. This is our shared mm-hmm. service provider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we said, help us identify some things that are really you know, arduous and that yeah. you just you know, would be ripe for this type of a technology. Right. So we did, and we just finished that pilot probably about a month ago. Hmm. Um, and we had a lot of uh, really good benefits out of it that okay. we found. So um, 
So it, it, it increased processing times. Like we increased mm -hmm. our processing times from about 60%. Wow. Uh, we, we improved our accuracy. Your accuracy, when, when it's a rules-based type of a technology, it does exactly what you tell it to do. So right. our accuracy goes up to like 99%. Yeah. Um, right. The throughput, we can have a much more capacity now. These things can run 24-7. Yeah. So now you we increased our throughput by about 30, 30 times and then we, save person hours the people actually spending doing this work um for those seven processes we save about eight thousand hours wow. uh, which is about <laughs> you know four fts worth of time just about doing this sort of stuff yeah. mm -hmm. so the idea though is that these folks have a lot of other things that they have to do not just processing these things so they can now focus on those higher value activities and i think that's the point that we're trying to can we sort yeah. of augment this and let our folks do more of those higher value activities. Right. And I think that we found that RPA can offer that for us. Yeah, that's huge because I mean, I've, I've worked with things like monthly clothes and an accounting sure. shop and I'm like, oh my God, I, why am I, this takes me two or three days just to do this repetitive thing yep. that if I could just clear it off my plate, I could actually do some analysis that's gonna be helpful and insightful and you know, this would just be a huge, you that's know, the change. idea. That's exactly the idea. So yeah, yeah. so I think we, we we were really excited about the about the the results that we got, and we're looking to see kind of what the next steps are. But I think we're comfortable with this technology. It isn't mm -hmm. like blockchain, where blockchain is still, you know, uh, technology is really nascent. It's new. We don't quite mysterious. know how it's going to yep. right. <laughs> this RPA technology, they have um, it's a much more mature technology. Mm -hmm. It's a much more safe. Technology and it might not even not even be you know in the next couple of years we probably wouldn't even call this like an emerging technology it's right. just going to be something that we that we do and it's built into what we do right so you know in addition to us there's a lot of other agencies that are also looking at robotic process automation yeah. um, so it's it's the, the word is kind of spreading the yeah, results are sure. sort of getting out there um, but you know a couple of lessons learned for us is that it did take a long time to get through governance this is software you have to work closely with your CIO shop your IT shop right um, so that's just something to, to think about as you're doing this is that there is that upfront work just to say here's a piece of software that we want to mm -hmm. use let's make sure that it's secure for our environment right so and from what I've talked to folks about maybe you can explain if I'm wrong here but I mean the first thing I saw an ex a demo or an example of one to me it almost looked kind of like a macro. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. basically, I mean, one of those where you kind of start recording your macro and it follows you around. What did you do? You open this, you close that, you pulled this down. Um, and that's like a very basic. Yep. And then, but I'm sure that's like the, you know, step one, 101 version, but then yeah. it gets more advanced or, intri you know, intricate after that. I mean, yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of people call these like uh, macros on steroids. On, there you go. That's, that's kind of how they. Yeah. How, that's kind of how they describe RPA software. And I think the, the unique thing with 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 RPA is like within taking Excel macros that mm -hmm. you're you're largely working within the Excel within that one application, application right. exactly. Yeah. This you are jumping between like systems all and over, all, right. exactly. And and you're the, you're kind of explaining how you program these things. Is mm -hmm. that you can basically hit. There are some software packages out there for RPA where you do yeah. just hit that record, record button and yeah. it watches exactly what you do. Right. Um, and then there's others where you actually have to go in and, and, and program it. Yeah. But I think yeah. you make a good point here. I think, yeah. you know, outside of this being a little bit larger sort of a version of a macro, how it can sort of jump around applications, mm -hmm. that there is some element of training that we have to give our folks. And right. The idea is that we're not going to have these teams of contractors helping us do this. This mm -hmm. is going to be us, the, the federal employees yeah. that are right. actually going to be programming these things. So um, we did spend a lot of time training folks on how to do mm -hmm. that. And really what we learned is that you have, you know, a reasonably sort of technical person in your office. Sure. This stuff is pretty approachable. Okay. You can actually, it's not that difficult. If you can do an Excel macro, you can do this. Right, right. 
so yeah and i guess you know too i guess some things to think about you know if you're 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 recording this or process that's the same every time repeatable but what if something happens that's out of the ordinary you right know, how does it handle those things? yeah that, that's exactly right so they have things called exceptions so yeah. if if the the software is going through and something falls out of place it'll just mm -hmm. basically alert the whoever you wanted to alert yeah. saying like something's not something's working. not right yeah and this happens and this yeah. happens so there's things like system upgrades that may change the yeah. process or the system may feel a little different mm -hmm. where we just say either the rpa the the, the bot mm -hmm. got sick or you know it, it broke um, you do need a team of folks that 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 manage that. Yeah, manage those. So so there's yeah. a lot of if you move down this the you know if an agency moves down this path and you know we we're looking at seven processes that we're automating. What happens when you get to like hundreds of processes that you're automating and you have mm -hmm. sort of you know uh, 50 bots that are helping you do this? You have to manage those 50 bots because they yeah. are going to break. Um, so it's called really your sustainment model. So how are you going to sustain? this this sort of like digital labor to make sure that it's keeping right. moving and everything is going to be but you're right there are things that are going to come up where the bot just doesn't know what to do right and it just basically sends the message to the program yeah. manager of that saying hey there's a problem come and fix me but by definition that's an exception it's not the rule that's you know i mean exactly 90 percent right. of the time it's doing what it's supposed to do and you're saving all the time you would be doing this instead, exactly you know? exactly so, huh okay so and uh so are you guys actually you know, thinking about implementing some of this stuff? We are. Okay. Yeah, so we are. So okay. for the RPA, we are. The blockchain needs a lot more time to, you know, mature, yeah. obviously. But for the RPA, again, this, this is something we're looking to see, you know, what is this going to take for us to get to production? Mm -hmm. um, it, again, this is this is mature technology. It just, we have to go back through those processes to make sure yeah. this is a pilot and mm -hmm. putting it into production takes a little bit more rigor yet again right. for us to do that. Um, but I think we're comfortable in moving in that direction um, and, and looking to see what are some of these other processes. And I think right. that's the interesting thing too through, that we learned through this is that that people were really excited that mm -hmm. this piece of technology could help them, kind of to your point, mm -hmm. streamline their day so that they could actually focus on the things that they need to focus on as opposed to, yeah. I'm copying and pasting this from this system to this system and it's taking me hours to do this. Right. So, we, yeah, what if we could staff, just do a, a report like a financial, the you know, yearly AFR, CAFR, you know, CAFR, just do it for you. Exactly. And then you review it, you know? <laughs> so the staff were really excited to be like, wow, this is so. We, we had a lot of excitement about identifying additional processes yeah. um, for us to move on and do. So yeah, this is an exciting time for us where I think we found and identified some sort of an emerging technology that could offer some value and the timing mm -hmm. was right. The maturity of this, this technology is ripe for us to sort of move into a sort of a production right. phase. And, and you know, I think we, uh, even at FIT, are really excited that we were able to sort mm -hmm. of be a part of that. Nice. So. One more thing, I don't know, just kind of throwing it out there. I don't know if you really have anything on it, but artificial intelligence. Yeah. Is there anything interesting out there buzzing around? So I think that we're trying to get our hands around that. Uh -huh. I, mean, I think I think that, you know, if you look at how, and I've heard somebody at Fiscal Service recently said this, like with RPA technology, you're sort of, you're, you're outsourcing the, 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 the manual, the tasks, right? Yeah, but well, you're still you, you're right. telling them what With artificial doing. intelligence, you're actually outsourcing some of those decisions yeah. to the technology. So that that is a little bit different. Oh, I yeah. think we need to figure out what that actually looks like for mm -hmm. uh, for financial management. I mean, I know there's a lot of people looking at it for, you know, optimizing call centers and things like that. Even like when you go True. to your 
um, you know, if you your your cell phone provider or whatever, and you talk to them, mm -hmm. typically that's probably a bot that you're talking yeah. to, and there's probably exceptions built into that to where if they don't know the answer to that question, you'll get to right. a live agent. So there are some some things right now where where that could be yeah. potentially applicable. Yeah. I think we we have to you know scope that out correctly and look at it. But I think it's something right. we're, we're exploring, we're looking at finding the right use case at this mm -hmm. point is, is, is a little elusive at this point. Right, well I think I saw a presentation, somebody from HHS or somewhere, and it was, I think, there's a few things out there like Watson and these, yeah. these crazy computers and stuff. Um, but we're basically we would just ask a question yeah. and it would just go through all the billions you know, data points and just come up with it. Here's your answer. Right. You know, exactly. That would be like the ideal world. And I there's a lot of, that's a good point. I think there's a lot of different sort of, of uh, elements of artificial intelligence. Like there's natural language processing mm -hmm. where, you're, where, you're, sure. where you're listening to somebody and you're trying to understand what that is. Right. There's lat natural language generation mm -hmm. where you take all of this data and then you have it spit out a report that that looks it sounds like somebody actually like a human wrote it right so right. There's, there's different elements of that that we're looking at yeah. natural language processing natural language generation and what would give mm -hmm. us the most value yeah well, that's really cool i mean it just sounds like you guys have a sort of a test lab out there at treasury kind of doing all these interesting innovative studies and we're trying it's very yeah interesting so and i guess one last thing for you you know if if an agency or a department or somebody was interested in more, you know, doing something like this, well, what do you recommend? How do you folks start? Well, first of all, they can just talk to us. Call, give you a call? Yeah, give, right. us, <laughs> give us a call and we love to sort of like, you know, we've, we've been thinking a lot about these things too and, and, and we're trying to find more partnerships with, with, with agencies okay. to sort of identify some of these things. But yeah. I mean, by, you know, by and large though too, I think one of the success factors that we've had within FIT is that we, we find a very small, narrow problem to solve. Mm -hmm using that particularly like new technology. Right. And through that exercise, you learn a lot more about that technology. Yeah. I think that's what we learned both with RPA and with blockchain is that we solved, in RPA's case, seven processes. Not, right. not a lot, I mean, we have hundreds of processes sure. that we have to do, but we focused on seven. Mm -hmm. With blockchain, we focused on managing and tracking physical assets. Right. But through those exercises, we got a much more, a much better familiarity with the technology that says, oh, maybe we can use that over here, or oh, yeah. RPA might be beneficial for these types of processes. Right. So I think the advice that I would give agencies is just to, to, to think small at first, especially with these sort of new nascent technologies, and focus on solving one small problem, and then right. move on from there. Right, and obviously this goes beyond just our accountability community. I mean, any think of how many government processes could be oh, enhanced Yes. something like this that's right know? that's right so my I mean, lens is financial management but you're right you get in the world of hr and travel yeah, and, and all the mission things that folks do out there or, you know right. just legal chain of custody i mean i just things yep. are just popping up in my head i mean yeah. there's just so much you know promise for it so and that's the idea is we want to talk about this to get people's heads spinning yeah. and think hey this yeah, is a yeah. good application over here right well, good, Craig. Well, I appreciate you joining us today. I mean, I think we learned a lot, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more. You know, this is a very hot topic, so yeah. thanks again. Thank appreciate you. you out. Appreciate it. Well, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. We have several more coming up very soon, including a couple from the AGA PDT down in Orlando. So until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.